rambling in Havana I took a little risk Send lawyers, guns and money Dead, get me out of this Alright, welcome everyone to episode 62 of the Matt Jones Podcast. It has been a little while since we did one of these, almost almost four months, and I hope to do more because I enjoy them. But we decided to bring this out, episode 62, as a way to sort of do something kind of uh, fun, which is to talk about what goes on behind the scenes. I've become really into... Uh, these wrestling podcasts where people talk about what happened in wrestling behind the scenes. And I thought this would be a good time to do the same um, on, on UK sports. And so I brought on the two people who know UK behind the scenes as much as anybody, Ryan Lemon and Drew Franklin. Ryan, how are you? Well, it's an honor and a pleasure to be here on episode 62. Thank you, you, sir. You know, you were on the very first Matt Jones podcast. And I do consider that an honor. I was on your first radio podcast and then you had me be on your first matt jones podcast i consider that a thrill and an honor you get both of those the only thing you weren't on was the first kentucky sports radio podcast because it was the duo you were on that actually you were on that that's right you weren't the first guest but you were on there brandon wright and jay billis were on that too a good threesome a three people that always stay together brandon wright jay billis and ryan lehman drew's here hello Hello, this is my first Matt Jones podcast appearance. <laughs> wow. I mean, I've done the radio show 70 bajillion times, but this is my first, what do we call it, the MJP? Is that yeah, how we- I mean, I, I've thought about potentially doing something, if people like this one, where we take a topic and we sort of just talk about it. So, like, do, you know, the 2012 team or something, and people can vote on which topic they like, and we sort of talk about. So, we may, we may do that. We'll see how it goes. But uh, the, the topic today is going to be sort of behind-the-scenes with UK athletics. And the goal here is to tell the five stories that we believe. I'm not saying these are the five best stories we have. As a matter of no. fact, they're not. <laughs> these aren't in my top 50. But with the ones that we don't feel like would lead to arrests yeah. or people getting really angry if we tell. Is that fair to say? Yes. There are certain stories that maybe would get people in trouble that we can't divulge at this time. So – you know, we're, we're, we're going to do these. And and the way I thought we'd start is to just kind of go through. We've each got our, our five, and we'll go in order. But I want to do real quickly some things that aren't on here that we've told in the past that are worth sort of – Revisiting people, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, because people maybe didn't listen back right. then. And so I'm going to start with the Jeff Brasso story. <laughs> because a lot it's of a classic. Because a lot of you may, like, see me walking down the street and someone will scream Brasso to me. And they don't, they wonder why. So this goes way back, Ryan. This goes back to pre-KSR. Okay, this was when I was just a lowly human being. Trancy, now undergrad. Just a lowly human being with a radio show. That's exactly right. <laughs> I was dating a girl, and she lived uh, in an apartment w- w- with a roommate, as a lot of people do. And the roommate was dating Jeff Brasso. And... I never got to meet Jeff Brasso because he would come in the door, immediately go in her room, and shut the door. Like, so there was no interaction of any form. Probably had some homework to do. <laughs> Maybe so. And the, the, the funny part of the story is that when they would engage in relations, 
extracurricular activities. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying what they were doing. Sure, we it, don't know. it could very well have been their taxes. I mean, it's tax day. I don't know, but when they would do that, Brasso <laughs> would ask. Well, I would let me put it like this. I would just hear the female scream Brasso. And was there excitement in her voice? I think it was generally happiness. Okay. It was generally happiness. And I never understood why. And then later was told that 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 he sort of liked that if during the process Brasso would get screamed. (laughs) And so that's always been a way for people who listen to these podcasts to sort of know each other is to just scream Brasso. So I will admit, I don't. I wonder if Brasso liked it because of the tip in at uh, at, at the Maui Invitational. Maui, one of my favorite plays from my. Youth. Or if it was just an in general Brasso. And so that was actually probably the original story was uh, Brasso very much enjoy that story for all we know they could have been painting each other's fingernails yeah, i'm not alleging what happened yes during that. i mean i don't know you weren't there i i, well, I was i was in no, the other room the but room. i was i wasn't in the room do, do you think maybe i could try that with my wife amanda tonight i think your wife has already been screaming brass oh okay i got you <laughs> yo lemon <laughs> she screams saul and then she switches it to brasso and that's uh that's the way it goes so that's that's one so if you ever hear people yell brasso Ryan, that's where that gotcha. comes from. Okay. Uh, I think it's worth talking. We never talk about – people always ask about Mickey DeMoss. So what do you think, Ryan, we can say about the about Mickey DeMoss, the former U.K. Uh, women's coach here? You know, that's when I was sports anchor at Channel 18, and that was obviously a huge story. And I always felt like – But it never got out, really. It, it never See, got I out. I don't even know. You are educating me right now. I always felt like, you know, a lot of times when there's smoke, there's fire. And there was so many reports about things behind the scenes with her that I felt like there was some nuggets of truth well, Here's the one there. thing I know. I'll tell you one thing we know. I lived at the old Grand Reserve in Lexington, which is on the corner of like Tate's Creek and Manowar, right? Right. And there's a Ramsey's right there in that Tate's Creek Manowar shopping center. And I enjoyed it. It's a good place to eat. You can get yourself some nice, uh, nice I had Ramsey's yesterday, actually. Food, yes. And... After UK women's games, Mickey DeMoss and many females would come to and celebrate at that Ramsey's. And I remember one time they beat Tennessee. Biggest win in UK women's history. Yeah, a massive win, yep. at the, especially at the time oh, where, no where, that, where that never happened. And I happened to be in that Ramsey's, and they all came in and took the place over. And it was wild. And I remember thinking, I'm really surprised the UK women's coach – is having, the, but you know they beat Tennessee. Yeah, where she used to coach for so many years. Have fun, yeah. right? She ended up losing her job, but Kentucky was still good, right? Like they, it wasn't like they had been terrible. Oh, am yeah. I right? And the story, the the alleged story was that she had a relationship with the with a booster's wife. Correct. Am I collect? Am I correct with that? You are correct. Yes. Is that? Do you believe that story to be correct? I that's what I, said, I believe there's some truth in there somewhere, and I also believe I don't know if this is what you're getting to. The husband went to UK and said, "You better take care of this, or I'm going to tell everybody what's going on." And that's why they had Mickey DeMoss. Look, you got a chance to resign here, or it's going to come out. Let me ask you this: Do you think that that was sort of unfair in the sense of would the same thing have happened? 
if if she was if it was with a man like was part of that embarrassment you think from Kentucky about not wanting the fact that it was a lesbian relationship I think so I mean again this just just my opinion this never I think was ever proved but I think yes the fact that if, if she was in fact having a lesbian affair with a guy's wife on the road when the team would go on the road yeah I think that was going to be an embarrassment for the UK women's program but but I'm saying it. Let's say she was doing it with a man, and it was a booster. It was a booster, not right. his wife. Do you think the same rea- the same result would have taken Un- place? Unfortunately, probably not. Do you? I, I don't know. I think times have changed on this. True. You got. I mean, in it's, mind, you have to remember was, this was a decade ago, right? Basically, more than a decade ago. Yeah, and I think I think if it was if it was now, I don't. I, I, do you think you lose your job for an affair at UK now? Let's just say, let's say that. You know, a coach was caught having an affair with a, a public affair. Like, everyone knew. You think you lose your job now? If you're one of the head coaches of the, the three, three major sports, maybe so. You think so? Maybe so. You don't at U of L. And I'm not even saying that as a shot. I'm just saying as, right. a, as a fact, yep. you yeah. don't at U of L. You think you would at UK? If it's very well known, like I said, if it's public, I almost think you have to. You do? See, I don't know if I, I, don't know if I agree with that. Like I, I, Cal, you know, has never had an affair. But if Cal had an affair and people knew, you think he'd you think he'd get fired? I think. Yeah. Question: Are you winning? <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Let's say you're winning. Let's because she was winning for the most part. They I mean, were she winning was, like we've never. She won was here winning before. like we'd never won at UK Women's right. before. Yes. To me personally, that that has no effect on what's happening on the court or field. But I could see where a lot of people would be calling. Do you think they'd fire? Job. I think there'd be quite an uproar where they, it would. Do you think they fire down. him? I think knowing ben, Mitch Barnhart the way we do, I think he would have a hard time not. Keeping but is it the public part of it? Yeah, I think yes. it's. I think it's the public part of it. So that's how we always heard the Mickey, the Mickey DeMoss story, and you know she really. It was a, a huge career fall for her, right? Especially at her news conference, they said, "Look, I need to step down. I need to get away from basketball. I need some time to myself. I'm not going to coach anymore." Next season, she's an assistant down in Texas. Did everybody at the time, because I wasn't doing media then, did everybody know? Pretty much. I mean, it was pretty much. Everybody knew what happened. Yeah. But nobody ever reported it, and it's never been proven as fact either. I think we need to go on this. No, I think we definitely need to say that. But, uh, all right. The next one, sort of, again, a a thing we've talked about, the Ryan Harrow locker room (laughs) story. Now, the whole Ryan Harrow situation was fairly amazing. I mean, when Ryan Harrow first came here, Drew, I mean, we were at some of those practices. You go to the national championship team's practices, he looked like a superstar. I remember one game in Rupp. Everybody was warming up, and, of course, he was ineligible at the time. It was when he was sitting out. He was wearing, like, jeans and loose tennis shoes and was throwing himself lobs off the glass and throwing it down. I'm like, this is the greatest point guard that's ever lived. (laughs) A lot of coaches would tell you privately that – at times, they wished he was the point guard on the national championship team. Teague turned the corner in the second half of the year, but there was a lot of talk that in practice he was better than Marcus Teague during that time. That was the story the whole season. He was the best point guard on the team that year, just he couldn't play that year. Yeah, so he struggles. If you remember, he he quits the team halfway through the year and then is allowed back, goes home to North Carolina. I don't know if that's ever been said publicly that he quit, but he did quit, Drew. I mean, he quit halfway through the year, right? Yeah. And was allowed to go home and then came back. 
And then we I get, believe there was a family illness, maybe even a death. That's why he went home. His dad, wasn't he? Did his but dad he quit get Ill? while he was there. I mean, right. his, yeah. I, I think I think he he went for like a weekend and just stayed and stayed, and he was he I was think. he was quitting. He comes back, and you get to the Arkansas game. Now remember, set the scene. This is the road game at Arkansas. Archie Goodwin returns home. Yeah, right, Archie played well that game. Yeah, and we lost by a decent amount, and the only person that played well was Archie. Yeah, and I think. Harrow maybe didn't play much, or if he did, didn't struggle. I don't know. But he's in the locker room after the game and was apparent what stood up and basically was complaining about Cal to the team, talking about how Cal couldn't coach and he was, and this was, and basically just complaining to everybody. And the story I heard is that Mitch Barnhart comes in and confront, like Mitch Barnhart walks in, hears it confronts him and they begin yelling at each other in the Arkansas locker room. Mitch being, I think, in the right, going, What are you doing? And it led to uh to him being kicked off the team. Do you is that is that how you've There was heard some it? sort of confrontation, yes, between Ryan Harrell and Mitch Barnhart in that locker room. Yes. And what happened after that? Did he get did Harrell get kicked off again did he quit again i mean i never really knew i think what he got happened. kicked off i mean i don't know what was said at the time but i think he got kicked off the team at that point and i think they've had it with him anyway in general i just heard it was kind of like almost like a mental breakdown and then it just started yelling at almost everyone yeah in, i mean he was screaming at the players screaming about cal harold was i think kind of was a troubled kid during that period of time and and i do think a lot of it with him was mental is that right when cal says this isn't for everybody Ryan Harrell's a perfect example of that. I don't think he could handle what it meant to be the point guard and the leader of this program. He just wasn't ready for it. And you know Cal felt like that because he made Jared Polson the point guard. And I, and I don't say that to criticize Polson, but, you know, I think when he had Jared Polson at the point guard, I think he kind of knew, well, there goes our chance at a title, probably. I mean, I think he thought – got to remember with that team, they thought they'd have a healthy Nerlens, right? They thought they would have – imagine having a really good point guard with that team and a healthy Nerlens. You're a top 15 team at yep. that point. And they lose both of those and you see what happens. Now, Ben, what happened after that? That's what seems to be uncertain. I've heard stories where the UK coaching staff, they went at, went to Ryan Harrell to talk him to come back. I've heard Harrell. I don't know. I do know that they helped him find his landing spot. I do think that, like, while there was frustration with him and they knew he had to go – I don't think there was just give up on. Yeah, I don't think there was dislike of him. Uh I mean, I think there was, uh, and there are a couple people close to the program who are still close to Ryan this day. Who really? I think everybody believed Ryan Harrell was a good kid, including me. But I think they just realized this wasn't the place for him. Yeah, he went on to play. Was it Georgia State? Georgia State was good. Have a good career where there wasn't the pressure of having this massive fan base. All right. Finally, the last sort of didn't make the cut, but story. The Billy Gillespie Alex Legion story. Now, I think most people know at this point that there was a love triangle. Is that fair to say? Apparently, yes. I think you could say that. I mean, I think you can say it. <laughs> I don't think there's like a kind of you can say it, allegedly, but you can say it. Yeah. And. The girl, I've told you, there's this famous video of the three of them in a video together. I'm being very, not like a certain guy, like an interview. <laughs> yes. Um, and Alex was dating a girl, Alex Legion, and 
I don't know how, but somehow she ended up also with Billy Gillespie. Now, I'm, I'm fascinated as to how that happened. Do we have any guesses, Drew, as to how that could have happened? Sounds like basketball might be her type. But otherwise, associated okay, with the team. Fair enough. But otherwise, what do you think Alex Legion and Billy Gillespie have in common as potential suitors? Outside of having a key card <laughs> to the UK locker room, probably nothing. Um, yeah, I think that's fair to say. Uh, and the story is, Ryan, that Billy Gillespie starts whatever. And Alex Legion finds out right after the North Carolina game, I believe, that year. And quits the team and leaves. Now, I remember hearing this as it happened. Because the turkey hunter was dating the girl's friend. Okay. All right. I followed that. So, this was a story that I was hearing through him. All right. That this was happening. And there was a lot of talk that Alex Legion was going to do an interview and tell it. This is That what would have my- been pretty juicy. This is what my coach did to me. In the middle of the season. In the middle of was that was that Billy's first season? I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, I believe it was. Can you imagine if Christmas break of Billy's first season it comes out that he has hooked up with one of his players' girlfriends? How could you keep him even the rest of the year? Would he have been gone right then? Good question. Do you think you Yes, fi- definitely. That is crossing a huge line. You're supposed to be there almost like a father figure to this guy when you're a coach of a freshman in college. You're in charge of him. So even though everyone's doing? single, isn't it just isn't it just love love No, that's that's all? Mr. Studio girl <laughs> is the one that's supposed to be looking out for you. You know there is there is a bro code. If it's a coach player code, I think you really crossed the line there. So you're 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 saying this. yes, coaches look these kids' families in their eyes and say, "I will take care of your son the next four years." And but you sure they don't say, "I go take care of your son's girlfriend when he's out of town." Okay, maybe right? like like maybe it's, it's a father figure sort of thing. Like I'm gonna, I'm I don't think I can. Serve, I mean, yeah, I think she he has to get fired on spot. Also, if I'm Legion, I'm running through the mountaintops telling everybody. I'm I'm amazed he did. It's a wonder he is not talk to somebody about that it really is because i mean like now would i would be, have said good morning america what's up let's sit down can you imagine can you imagine if that story comes out can you imagine it it's huge even today it would be the, it would be it would have been the biggest story in college like it would have made the patino and kentucky fans would still be hearing about it being made fun of by their programs really amazing that it didn't come out and we probably owe Alex Legion and his magical shoes we do owe him a little gratitude uh, some gratitude for not bringing it up now, Billy Gillespie and women, do you think those stories were overblown, underblown? See, I came in when Cal came in, so I didn't hear any of the rumblings as it was happening. I've just heard stuff years later where it's all, I mean, it. sometimes it seems exaggerated, but sometimes I'm like, maybe it just was that, that wild. I think it was not as wild as people think, but wilder than you would think. Maybe I like, 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 I don't think, like, you hear these stories of him being, like, naked at the Merrick Inn. I don't believe that was true. If it would yeah, have happened, there's stories of a couple of restaurants they say he's banned from. I've talked to the managers who were managers then, and they're like, no, we didn't have Never that. I, yeah, I, I think, I th- here's what I think. I think a lot of the stories, especially of public drunkenness, are false. Greatly exaggerated. Yeah, but I think the stories of, I can't believe the U.K. basketball coach did that, 
a lot of those are true. Yes. Would you agree with that? Yes, and it seemed like a lot would involve, unfortunately, alcohol and women. Those are the and, stories. And, and young women. Young, young women. I mean, like college type. And, and yeah. I, I think that was a, an issue. At the same time, a single UK coach. Yeah, have you have you seen our campus? I mean, single man with a lot of money. It's a, there's some temptation there. Yeah, well, that's why you got to be married when you take that. That's job. right. Uh, I think that's but he was be that's like to Lane Kiffin remember? as the football coach. Yeah, I mean, you that just, would last a month. Yeah, you you just can't you can't do it. So those are sort of the uh, uh, the the kind of long held ones. We've touched on all of those at some point in our thing. All right, so we're going to start with you, Ryan. Give me your number five story. Well, it's not as good as those. Those are a lot yeah, better than we, what we let off with start. some juicy stuff. Well, that, there. but all that stuff is stuff we've mentioned before. I mean, these are things that we haven't mentioned. And I, listen, these are not necessarily world beater stories. They're more just something that happened that maybe people don't know that's funny that can also then lead us to talk about some other stuff. And, of course, we'll finish with the Bahamas. See, now I'm even second-guessing my list of stories. They're not, they're not near that good. It's okay. Don't worry about it. I mean, these, these are ones that we'd all hit on. Don't, Matt just got – he let off and hit a home run. We can still bunt and get singles here. This is not about who has the best story. We're just sitting here talking like bros hanging out yeah. at Merrick Inn. Uh, this is the one I was going to start with, number five. Okay. okay. Number it's, five. It's when the final four was at Rupp Arena in 1985. Back, okay. in, back in those days, there was not all this great media exposure. So when ESPN came into Lexington. Now, were you working in Lexington? No, uh, no, okay. no. I was still in high school, as a matter of fact. They come into Lexington, and they hired some guys from Channel 18 to shoot footage of all the teams that practices. And so that was like Villanova, Georgetown, St. John's, and somebody else. Yeah. I don't even remember who the other team was. Yeah. So the guy that they hired for Channel 18, and back then you had a camera, and then you had an umbilical cord that had attached to a deck. That's not what it was called. It was called an umbilical cord. We call it an umbilical cord. I don't attached. think that's – if I went to Radio Shack, I would not ask for the umbilical cord, and they would sell me one. But there was like a big deck, deck, D-E-C-K, that hung on your shoulder like a purse, and this umbilical cord – Connected the camera and the deck. That's very important. You need to know this. Okay. All right. So, okay. so yeah, we have a camera, a deck, and a cord. And an umbilical cord. Yes, the connected. <laughs> a cord. All, right. Yeah. all right. So this guy shoots all this practice footage of all these teams that ESPN is going to use for the rest of the weekend. Mm-hmm. Huge, huge responsibility. He realizes when he's done, he pulls the tape out and he puts it in. There's a short in the umbilical cord, and none of the footage came out. Okay. So, obviously, he is in a big panic, and he has just let down the worldwide leader in sports, ESPN. So, before he goes to hand over the tape to Bob Lee, is who he's got to give Bob it to. Bob Lee. Bob okay. Lee. He takes the he drives to the hotel. I don't forget where it was here in town. I think it was Griffin Gate. I think it's where it was. Bob was out at Griffin Gate. Drove out there, realizes that the tape is bad, gets the umbilical cord, and literally starts chewing on it in the car. <laughs> To try to prove that it was a, there's a short in there, so he's chewing on it and pulling on it and trying to break the cables that are in this cord. <laughs> yeah. So then he can say, I don't know what happened. It must be the cord. He gives the tape to, to Bob Lee, knocks on the door. Bob answers in his boxer shorts. Another key element to the story. <laughs> is this, is this I key? like that's the best part. I think I think we're. I mean, I'm liking I, this story. I had Bob Lee pe- pegged as a briefs guy. No, I, I don't boxers. know why you don't think this is a good story. I'm already mesmerized in the visual we have right here. Yeah. Bob's got his two decks in his hotel room. I hope it's decks. D E D E C K. Puts the tape in, and the whole time the guy's panicking, like ready for his story. My umbilical cord's broken. I was chewing on it. Puts it in. Bob hits play. Sits there for about 10, 15 seconds. This is some of the best footage I've ever seen. 
for whatever reason, the tape worked. It didn't work in the dude's deck that he had, but it worked in Bob Lee's deck. Maybe it's because he was chewing it. Maybe it's because he was chewing it, yeah. Okay, but that it was a great story until the end. The, I guess... <laughs> <laughs> like that, I enjoyed the notion of him chewing on it. Yes, I enjoyed Bob Lee in his bo- in his boxer shorts. Just tell us more about Bob Lee. But, but it, it just it just it just deflated. Then it worked. It had it had a great ending. It, I, it, I guess it you have to fill that man's panic of letting down ESPN. Yes, and we also don't know who this person is. Yeah, I don't think you know him. He used to work here in this town. Well, I mean, just <clears> at this point, just say well, it. What's Gary Johnson? From Lafayette. The lawyer from Eastern Kentucky? No, not that Gary Johnson. Another Gary Johnson. Good friend of mine. He now works for NASCAR. He was working at Channel 18, and he shot that footage. Well, there you go. Yeah. An interesting ending to the story, but I'm not going to criticize it because I like the idea of Bob Lee and his boxing shorts. So I will give you that. It's a crucial element to the story. So what's your number five? Mine is not juicy, but it's it's why I love Michael Kidd Gilchrist. I've told this many times uh, that just what a special young man we had, and I will end it with a comparison to Deron Lamb the same weekend. (laughs) But the okay. the Fantasy Camp alumni game three years ago, I believe, yes. I was at the Hyatt after the game. I was writing the recap for the website. And then someone came up to me and said, hey, I, I want to meet you. Will you come sit and chat with me for a minute? And I'm like, yeah. I closed my laptop. It was MKG's mom and grandmother. And I don't know why they want to talk to me. They, said they, they love the, the website. website. Yeah. yeah, they love the so website. So I'm just talking to them. And she tells me about Michael's crazy day and how he tried to not play the alumni game, which obviously he was a main attraction. But the night before, you know, Cal has the party at his house. Yes. Players are invited, not required. The same three show up every year. The same others don't. But MKG was there till like 1 in the morning, something outrageous. Stayed, didn't have to, shaking hands, all that. Turns out he was at Bobcat's practice at 6 a.m. Somehow, I don't know how they do that. That's You can't drive that. But he goes to Bobcat's practice, stays after and does some workouts. I guess he'd been injured. He had some additional stuff to do. Then catches a commercial flight back to Lexington and says, Mom, he had pretty, pretty much hadn't been asleep, says, Mom, I can't play in the alumni game. It's like, Michael, you're one of the main guys. Tell Coach Cal. Coach Cal says you don't have to play, you don't have to play, but you're going to let a lot of people down. Coach Cal says, go through the intros, wave, sit down, you're done. I understand you haven't slept, you've done all this. So Michael's like, all right, I agree, I'll sit down, or I'll come out, wave when they say my name. He comes out, they introduce Michael Kidd Gilchrist. The plan was for him to sit down, and then he went up to his mom and said, Mama, I'm playing, because I guess the roar. Oh. And he was the only person that game that played 40 minutes. Wow. So Michael hadn't been to bed, went to Bobcat's practice. See how nice he Came back. Awesome. He didn't Me- want to let the people down. That's right. They Meanwhile, down. I, I don't know this one as fact, but it apparently Duran Lamb was at that same game. Did not – well, I don't know if he might have been Team No Sleep too, but not for the same reasons. <laughs> yeah, probably not for the same reasons. Held out of the same game. So, I've just always liked knowing that story well, of no, Michael. Well, no, he didn't just hold out. <laughs> he stayed in his Hyatt hotel room. He was in the building. Yes. I mean, like, not just there. In the building. A- as I've heard it, Duran, right before the game, found out that MKG and Davis were getting paid more than him. Saying he wanted to be paid. As they should have. Which was everyone's point, but I think that's why we didn't see Duran. I mean, no one is paying the ticket to see D. Lamb sleep. No. Also, you note that, Cam, MKG's there at 6 a.m. the day before, too. Yes. The man doesn't leave. So I just liked always hearing that he went and did all that. And when he came out and heard the crowd cheering his name and Rupp, he's the only one that played the whole game. Well, you could do a whole podcast of Duran Lamb being a goober stories. Well, that's what I always heard. He just overslept that day. That's why Overslept at eight, seven o'clock at night. Yeah, yeah I went to bed idea. and overslept. 
Well, till seven o'clock. Well, at night. MKG went to Charlotte and practiced and came back. That's awesome. <laughs> do you really buy he slept till seven o'clock at night? Unless he had something to do at four twenty that afternoon. <laughs> Look at you, Mr. Funny it's a very Man. very specific time. Why, yeah, why you would you pick that time? I just random. I just kind of pulled it out. Just kind it's of a random time. Very interesting that, time. You know that, no, that number has other meanings, too. April the 20th, which it almost is today. That's right. All right. My fifth story is mostly about what happened when Cal got here. Okay? The 2010 arrival. You know, John Cal Perry, you may remember at the press conference, Drew, I asked Cal, what do you know about the players that are here? That was the one question I got off during the thing. And he said, well, I know Jody Meek scored 54. And he goes, and I think I know Patrick Patterson, and I don't know anybody else. Well. Which, if you look at that roster, that's pretty it's very <laughs> accurate. It's a pretty good breakdown. When he got here, he did a warm He did a tryout. Or not even a tryout. He just ran a practice with the players that were here. I think they even got special permission from the NCAA to have the practice because season was over, and this was before you could do that stuff. Okay. But they got permission. And I'm told that Cal sort of looks at everybody and goes, what is this? Because <laughs> you remember they had like seven walk-ons on that team. <laughs> That's right. They Michael had, Porter was one of your star players, you I You had believe. Michael Porter. You had Dusty Mills. You Or, no, Dusty being kicked off. But you had – Remember how many walk-ons he had on that yeah. team? Uh, Donald Williams was on that team. Your big man was Matt Pilgrim. You had Kevin Galloway, who actually turned out being decent overseas. Dwight Perry was on that team. Um, there were a lot of dudes. And he was like, who are these dudes? And he, he couldn't believe it. Keep in mind, he just came from Derrick Rose. <laughs> the <laughs> Tyree Kevin won 38 games. Yeah. So, basically, he met – with the AD, with Mitch, and was like, "What? I can't, I got to get talent. What, what am I going to do with all this? And they made him agree, or they asked him to agree, to keep all the seniors, the, the scholarship seniors, and then he could do whatever else he wanted with everybody else. And that included the commits. So Cal went and watched every commit. Now, remember those commitments, Dakota Uten, Michael Avery, um, Vinny Zolo. Was Hunter Zolo. McClintock one of them? The con- No, he didn't. He didn't commit. The Connor Tucker Band, <laughs> who Billy took a commitment from three days before he got fired. Knowing he was probably going to get fired, he still took a commitment from him. Uh, Ferguson, what was his name? Oh, the Ferguson uh, kid in Minneapolis. Dominique probably, Ferguson. Yeah, Dominique. that's right. Yeah. Uh, G.J. Villarino, Casey Ross Miller. I mean, I'm, I'm, you remember these oh, names? Yeah. Okay. So, Cal, the seniors, if you remember, were Perry Stevenson. Ramon Harris, Krebs, and Krebs. And he agreed to keep those three. So he slowly just gets them all out. And there's one spot left. Matt Pilgrim and Josh Harrelson. And he agrees one of those two will stay. And they have sort of a workout with the two of them. He doesn't tell them you are playing for your, for your lives. And from what I'm told, Matt Pilgrim dominates. Like Matt Pilgrim, you know, like we always would hear, he's a beast. Yes. Right? Matt Pilgrim dominates. But as he walks off the floor, Cal tries to talk to him, and Cal doesn't like the sort of cut of his jib, basically. And even though Pilgrim's a better player, he just decides, you know what, kind of one of these like the dude at the Peabody with me. I'm not feeling this guy. I'm not feeling you, dude. And he takes Josh. And in hindsight – Josh becomes a huge player in 2011. 
And Matt Pilgrim ends up getting charged with sexual assault at Oklahoma State. And Cal, first decision, because imagine if that had happened with Matt Pilgrim here. The bad publicity people already wanted Cal to, to fail. To fail. Yeah. I think that first choice was huge for Cal's success. So that's my number five. Story. I and love it. That version of Josh Harrelson that he probably saw that day, Matt Pilgrim would have dominated him ten times out of ten. Josh, when he was under Billy G, wasn't all that good. I mean, I Josh agree. became a good player. But I always thought that was funny. Like he 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 saw what ended up being a really big good decision for him. Huge decision that paid off that next year and next season for sure. All right. So Josh. now, what's your number four? Uh, number four is kind of an admission of guilt. That, Ooh, these are the best. <laughs> I like these. That yes. I've never. I've, I don't think I've told anybody this story, and I think with the uh, what's the time of limitations? I can't get statute tra- of limitations. statute of limitations is passed. <laughs> this is again. I'm working at Channel 18, and uh, this is the '90. This is the Tim Couch Craig Yeast football season. Well, obviously they're really, really good, and I would go on the road to cover the Kentucky football game with Greg Punk Gorham. You guys know Punk. Love Greg. Punk. And we kind of took it upon ourselves, and we'd go on the road. We'd have to visit maybe the local establishments and just get a feel for the town, kind of like we do now a little bit, you know. Yeah. Just you know, go see the scene. I hop and places like that. Yes. So the game was going to kick off at noon on Saturday, and we could not get a flight down there, and so they flew us down Friday night, Friday night before the game on Saturday. So we get there, find out there's a couple places on campus that maybe we should just go investigate called the Purple Porpoise, Purple Porpoise, and the Swamp. <laughs> And this is where? Gainesville. Gainesville, Gainesville Florida. Kentucky's the playing at the Swamp. The Porpoise. Yes. Okay. And the Swamp. Two bars right there outside the Swamp. Okay. So we go, and we're uh, in, enjoying ourselves a little bit, and we somehow ended up partying with the Florida girls' tennis team. Oh, my. If we did that today, you'd get murdered. Well, I'm not talking one or two of them. I'm talking like all 12 of them. Now, I have to tell you, I, I like you and Punk quite a bit. Yeah. It's hard for me to see, though, the Florida girls' tennis team wanting to hang out with you. I totally agree. <laughs> you, did, you didn't know this version of <laughs> totally Ryan agree. Funk. It, okay. It just so happens one member of the Florida tennis team was from where I'm from in Indiana, okay, outside there of go. Evansville, o- Indiana. Otwell connection. Yes. Right. Yeah. So next week, you know, there's all like 12 of them. They're there for a birthday party. They're all together. So I took it upon myself with the Channel 18 credit card, basically, to buy them a round of shots. <laughs> and nobody knows to this day that Channel 18 bought a $70 round of shots for the Florida tennis team until this moment. Now, I, I, I got to investigate this story a little bit. Were, were, were you with Amanda at this time? No, no. This was, was like the, this is, this I is mean, 90s. this is a good way for you to get your genitalia cut well, off they're, tonight they're, they're, yeah. if you tell this story. I think Amanda was still at Barberville High School when this story was going on. This is like in 97. You didn't party with the Barberville High School tennis team. No, did I did you? not. No. no. Okay. No. I'm, no. I'm just making sure. All right. Yeah. So you, so basically you spent LEX's money. On a round of shots for the Florida tennis team. Yes. The night before Kentucky played Florida. I just like the idea that you were hanging out with the Florida tennis team. Yeah, we do. That's just how we roll. That's how Punk and I roll. Oh, I got another – now all these stories are starting to come. <laughs> Go let me, for let it. Let me just tell one more punk story. Okay. All right. This is Ebor City in Tampa the night before Ybor the Outback City. Bowl. Ebor City. Nice. A little Ebor. Y-R-B-O-R. And, and this, you got to keep in mind, this is when we're about to have 1999. So, like, everybody's playing Prince song, 1999, and it's yeah. hopping. All the Kentucky fans are up and down Ebor City, and it's awesome. And Punk and I are out to, like, 3 or 4 in the morning, and kickoff's, like, at 11 o'clock the next day. Yeah. And as we're driving back to the hotel, I said, hey, that is one tall chick. Punk's like, uh, dude, that's 
that is no chick. We need to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like you be, you and Punk on the road was a wild time. Yeah, it's not good. Maybe this is why Amanda is thinking women are throwing themselves <laughs> at them, is Amanda knows about the Florida tennis team and the way that they just couldn't stop when Ryan Lemon walks in. Now I'm kind of jealous. We travel with him and we don't get this version yeah, I don't of Ryan. Get He's this just version on the phone the whole time. So. I only get the version where we go to a bar in Des Moines and Lee Howard gets carried <laughs> out by the uh, – Lee Kay gets carried out by the police or the security. See, I think I'm like – I'm big brother to you guys when we go on the road. You've I'm, already lived it. Yeah. Now i got to make sure you guys get home safely and get tucked in. You know, the problem is Drew and I in our travels – We've never like we always have to get in the car. Like we don't or get to be have, up really early. Yeah, we don't get to have the kind of wild wild nights that that that, that people think because we don't. I mean, we have especially me because he can do. I mean, you you can stay out till six in the morning, but I can't. And like that's the difference. Like the night I always will tell about him. The night that we were in New York for Manhattan Siena. The and game. the next day had to be at 4 o'clock in Charlottesville, Virginia for Duke, Virginia. <clears throat> I decided to sleep because we have to drive from New York to Charlottesville, Virginia. This dude, it turns out we got a room with only one bed. <laughs> and Drew looked at me with the, I love you, Matt, but I'm not sleeping with you tonight. I said, what time are we leaving? And he literally stayed out until we left the next morning at 8 a.m. Which I and then we got in the car and drove to Charlottesville, uh, and you wrote the best article you've ever written in Charlottesville. It was on the front of CBS website or Fox, Fox Sports. They run somehow. He answers the he bell. He always answers the bell. All yeah. right, what's your number four? My number four. It's hard to call it one story. It's more just about a, a friend I've made in life somehow named Anthony Davis, Senior. The best of the Anthony. Davises. It is interesting to me how you have become buddies with Anthony Davis's dad. It's all become fairly recently, way past 2012 year. But we've, when he's in town, normally for fantasy camp alumni game, he likes to do the same things I like to do in the wee hours of the morning. We usually find ourselves in the same place. Tin roof. Tin roof. Uh, tin roof. Anthony Davis's dad and Drew Franklin have a good tin roof. We bar. have run up many a tin roof. Ta- I brought him on stage one time. I made him uncomfortable. I said, "Can we all toast?" To Anthony Davis Sr. and everyone toasts. And then I said – I remember you toasted to something else. And then I pointed to his crotch and said, point to this because it made Anthony Davis. Yeah, and I then, remember that. And then after I did, I was like, that was a little too far. That was a little awkward. I think, I, think every, I think everybody in the room and, kind and of thought laughed, that was gross. He like, don't ever, don't would, ever do I, that I would, again. I would raise my glass to that, though. But I've also gotten to know other people in his family, and they still have that south side Chicago mentality mm-hmm. about certain things. For instance, during Anthony's autograph tour, one of the places they stopped by, um, I can't remember, I wouldn't say whatever it was, but someone didn't give them the money they were owed, and he found out about it. Yes. And he either tracked this guy down, they ran into each other, whatever, but he reached in and took the keys out of that man's car, threw him into his own car, and locked it. Said something like, you have 15 minutes for the money to show up. I think it goes even more than that. From what I remember of this story, you tell me if I'm wrong, the dude owed him like a hundred thousand. Yes, it was, a, it was, it a, was a substantial amount of money. And wow. he, he had found he had found out that that guy was taking some Anthony signed some balls for him, and he was like selling them on his own. There was some stuff for that a substantial to it. amount of money. Yeah. and he took his keys, threw them in his car, locked the door, and said, "We'll stand here until that money shows up." And the money showed up. But I love the move. I'm, I'm going to take your keys, throw them in my car, <laughs> and lock my car, and just sit here and look at you. That's pretty baller. That is baller. That, that's that Chicago in him. That's true. 
So I, he there, I, there was also a long tenroof night where the next day, Anthony's dad walks out onto the court for the alumni game, and he has a massive uh, white towel over his eye, and he sits on the bench the whole game with it over his face. And I see him after he was like, "What did you do to me last night?" And he takes it off, and his eye is just swollen shut. I wasn't there for that part; I didn't see that go down. <laughs> But his eye was swollen shut. They, they really are. It's like a buddy comedy. He invited me to a picnic. I was passing through Chicago. Yes, that's right. He's like, come on over. I don't know, Family picnic in the south side of Chicago. Good people, though. Good people. You also do the next trading places or the next uh, 48 <laughs> hours. All right. Fi- my fourth one is going to be the Billy G's final day. Oh, yeah. So we've talked about this, but just a little bit for people who maybe who don't totally remember. So I get a phone call at like 630 in the morning. Very early. I'm a lawyer at this point. So, like, I have legal work to do. And the person tells me, it's going down today. He's being let go. So, I basically call my law firm, and I'm like, I ain't coming in. <laughs> you know, I'm going to let Sick day. This is pre-Twitter. We have KSR, but it's not nearly as popular. Because it was before me. Huh? It was before me, so it wasn't as popular. That is. But we do sort of break that he's gone. And I give a lot of credit to Dave Baker. He helped sort of help us because he was putting on WKYT Live a picture of the front page of our website saying Billy Gillespie is gone. Like we, we, they, he was the first person that acknowledged. I think other people knew it but weren't, didn't want to go with it, and Dave felt like he could go with it with us. And so we got to kind of break that Billy G was gone. So I drive to Lexington. And they set a press conference for, and I'm making up these times because I can't remember the times, but let's say the press conference is for new. Okay, the press conference to announce Billy G's gone and you get there and it's noon and nobody's there. Twelve thirty. Nobody's there. One, two. I mean, you may remember, Ryan, it's like three or four o'clock. The media is just and the media is just sitting there. And you know how what happens in these situations. Everybody's on their phone and rumors are flying. Oh, yeah. Rumors are flying. I remember the big one was that Billy Donovan is being flown in. Yes. And as they announced that Billy Gillespie is going to be gone, Billy Donovan is going to come in and be announced. I mean, there's all kinds of these rumors flying. Well, I get pulled to the side by somebody who would know. And I'm like, what's going on? And they go, we can't find Billy Gillespie. (laughs) Can't find him to fire him. I'm like, what do you mean? And they go, literally, like Lee Todd and Mitch Barnhart are driving around town looking. They can't find him. They want to fire him, and they can't find him. And they're not going to have the press conference fired him until they tell him. And we later found out from a friend of Billy's that he sort of believed if he could hide from them, <laughs> they, couldn't fire they him. would change his mind. They would, he thought they would change their mind. That if, they, if like. Like weeks pass. Yeah. He's, like, a, he's I, in Mexico with a beard. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the mindset of if they don't find me, they can't fire me. Well, they eventually get him. <laughs> they capture him. Lexington is not that big. They fire him. But wasn't he literally driving around? New he was Circle driving Road? around. He was driving around, and they were calling him, and he wouldn't. I mean, like he was literally just driving around. Uh-huh. I don't know how they finally got him, but they finally got him, and they 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 fire him. They come in. They do the press conference. Well, even before the press conference, Billy beats them back to the to the thing. Yeah. So we still don't have a press conference and in walks in Billy. And that's of course when Alan chases him and all that stuff and he goes to his office. Well, they have the press conference he's fired and Billy is I, I am in the bowels of Memorial Coliseum. And you know if you go down there, it's a weird like it's hard to it's kind of weird it's like and catacombs. Sort of, it's a weird little thing. And I'm walking down there to use the restroom. 
and I run into Billy. Now, you have to understand, like, Billy and I weren't close, but it wasn't until the end that he started hating me. It was really in the last couple months, and Mark Maggard was the reason, because Mark Maggard was saying that I was trashing him, and Mark Maggard and Billy were close. And Billy, I see him, and, like, I'm like, me to you, Drew. Like, I got to talk to him, you know what I mean? I can't, I can't not talk to him. And you got to remember, back then, like, I'm fat. Like, I have a ton of hair. Like, I look ridiculous, just going back in hindsight. And Are you in one of the circular urinals there? At no, the no, I'm just passing him. him oh, okay. No, no, I'm passing him in the hallway. Okay. And I, as I pass him, I just shake my hand and say, hey. I stick my hand out and say, good luck. And he goes, don't you shake my hand. He goes, you're the reason all this is happening. He's like, if it wasn't for you, I'd still have a job. So don't try to shake my hand. Don't even look at me. And he just walks off. And in his mind, it wasn't taking Alex Legion's girlfriend. It wasn't like it wasn't losing. It wasn't the stories. It wasn't any of that stuff. It's KSR. It was my fault. Yeah. As to why he got let go. And I always thought that delusion was kind of funny. Damn you. It's the not same for you. As delusion we, 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 is, could, we could still have Billy today if not for you. It's the same delusion as they can't fire me if they can't find me. Just in his head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Number three for you. Uh, number three, uh, the aforementioned Outback Bowl. I'd like to go back and revisit the Outback Bowl. <laughs> Outback Bowl, Bowl seemed to be a lot of stuff. Happening. Yeah, well, we were down there for a whole week between Christmas and New Year's, and by the time they actually kicked off the game, I was so hungover, I don't even remember it. I was there, and I don't remember the Outback Bowl, to be honest. But there's a legendary story about the Outback Bowl that, you know, it was a big deal. I mean, for Kentucky football. Playing Penn State? Not just to make a bowl game, but to play on a New Year's Day bowl game against Penn State huge, huge moment for the program. Story goes, the locker room is like really tense. Like you can just tell. Sometimes they're cutting up and they're playing music and they're kind of getting themselves fired up for the game. This locker room apparently was exact opposite. It was like all business, nobody making a sound, like this real quiet and tense. So the story goes that our best player, Tim Couch, number one draft pick, Mm -hmm. made a move that is now gone down in UK football history as one of the legendary, bold moves of all time. Couch takes it upon himself to ask someone in the locker room to break the tension if he could teabag him. <laughs> that will cut back on the nerves. It is. So you're telling me, you're claiming. The story goes. That Tim Couch, in order to get people ready for the Outback Bowl. Yep. Asked if he could teabag. Well, maybe it was just for his own personal well-being to get himself ready for the play in the Outback Bowl. So, that's the story. That's the story that he broke the tension and (laughs) helped the guys go out on the field to play Penn State in the Outback Bowl. You know, I understand. I teabagged Nick Roush before a football (laughs) podcast. It's just a way to get get loose. It brings you together. It does help. Yeah. I've told Freddie he's got to stop teabagging people all the time. (laughs) What's well, interesting. So whether that story is really true or not, it's a damn good story. Well, I'm sure next time you see Tim Couch, he'll let you know yeah. if it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Drew, number three. My number three, I have to be very careful in places and people I identify here. I see. I know lots of stories where players maybe should be doing or doing something they shouldn't be. So I'm, I want to include one. I feel like this is the one I can do because it goes back so far. Okay. Okay. It, it involves John Wall, Demarcus Cousins. I feel like this podcast I, I think, is the least of their worries right now. I think you can tell that one. I I, I think I know this one. I think you can tell that. Well, one. after they beat North Carolina here in Rupp, remember that was a big coming out party that year. That's when we knew Kentucky basketball was back. Great night, right? They went out on the town, like most eighteen-year-olds don't do. 
but they did. But you know, but they rarely actually Wall especially rarely did that. I mean, that he and, wasn't like a he wasn't a dude who went out a lot. Actually. And this was to a place I'm pretty. It's it's now long gone, so I'm not going to get them in trouble. Um, but I also think 18 year olds were allowed in. I think it was kind of like a what like a Drake's would be, where it's a bar or restaurant. Uh, I'll still leave the name out to play it safe, but it was downtown. <laughs> and Cousins at one point decides he wants to go behind the bar and help himself, which Patrick Patterson grabs him by the back of shirt, pulls him out. <laughs> but I mean, good. they're just in there celebrating. Good for Patrick Patterson. Yes. But the my favorite part of the story is a dear friend of mine goes into the bathroom and you know John Wall just he just became on the national scene that he day. He basically became a star. John Wall is standing in front of the mirror by himself. No one else is in the bathroom. He is lifting up his shirt and flexing and just screaming at himself about how great he is. <laughs> so you're telling me that a, John Wall a, standing in the bathroom, shirt off, flexing. I think he might have just been kind of lifting it up and flexing. Yelling just, ah, yeah, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> also known as what Jared Lorenzen does before every football <laughs> pregame show. But, you know, my friend, he's just going to, to pee like you do when you're right. in these places, and he walks into John Wall flexing and yelling in the mirror at John Wall only. See, I don't feel like that's wrong. I no. feel like if you're John Wall and you've had that game. That's right. Coming it on just the hills. Told, teaches you how he ticks, though, you know. Yeah, ah. And then Cousins, more of the – the fun guys trying to get behind the bar and Stay grab the Grey the Goose and drink out of it. Yes. And Patrick Patterson being the leader of the team. So it kind of summed up those three You're right. on you know, their big night. There's two times that I've been invited to do something that I didn't do that I've regretted not doing. One was when Marilyn Manson invited Drew and I to his house. Amen. You and I gone. chickened out. You should have gone. I really wanted to go. Just for the stories, you should have gone. But is there any chance we'd be dead if we did that? Well, he invited us to paintball people off his roof. They're on <laughs> Hollywood Boulevard, and he was shooting them off his roof. And then the second time was after one of those alumni games when, I think you were at this too, we all were hanging out with that same group, Wall, yes. Cousins, etc. I decided to leave, and as I left, Cousins was getting into a limo with like 30 people in this limo and him and cousins goes hey ksr come on and i was really sleepy and it didn't occur to me that that's a limo i needed to be yes uh, you got to and there's no doubt and i didn't do it and so those are the two times i regret well while we're on the cousins nightlife story i gotta tell you i went you I went, went to new york to, with him once right yes uh that was a wild time everyone called me kevin love because <laughs> i was the only person in the bar of <laughs> the only this complexion person, yes and i had a beard but also, I went and watched the Kings play in Sacramento, and I went out with them after the game. And I, I met them there, and I walk in, and he's in a VIP section by himself. And he's got, like, a lot of friends, and they're not even talking to him. He looks miserable. And I'm watching, and he's, I'm like, this doesn't even look like fun. He's not talking to anyone. He's not dancing. And I just go and flop down. I'm like, I don't care. I'm only in Sacramento tonight. I'll talk to him. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he teaches me. He has three guys in front of him, and a girl will walk by, and he'll go, red. And they will – chase down the girl in the red and bring her and sit her down and they'll make her a drink and he'll talk to her and if he they don't hit it off at first he just gives like a snap and they come and make her leave <laughs> and then he goes back and he'll be like white and the girl in the white dress will bring her over and I'm just like is this fun like he wasn't talking to anyone but I guess that's that didn't work for me I tried it a couple times yeah you know, I, I've done that a few times at Bell's, and it usually just ends up with me sitting by myself snapping. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Just that, yelling colors. Just <laughs> Matt's crazy again. Mom. Roy G. Bibbs here again. <laughs> Violet. All right. Uh, number three for me is the time that I got one of the weirdest phone calls of all time, which is our friend Joby Hall. Yes. 
We called, love Joby Hall. Called me one time. This was, of course, when they hired Mark Stoops. Called me a week or two before they hired Mark Stoops and asked me to meet with Bobby Petrino. Now, you remember Joby Hall, his son-in-law is right. the guy who's Sumner. Mike Summers. Who works with Bobby and worked with Bobby at Western. Right. I think he's back at Louisville now, too. So, Summers – so, so Joby calls me, and he's, you know, being Joby, so nice. And he goes, Matt, would you meet with one of my friends? Well, I mean, if Joby says, would you meet with one of your friends, Joby Hall's asking. Yes, Joby. Yes. I'd be glad. I'm thinking arrogantly, like, it's a fan of KSR. A big KSR fan Just a big KSR fan wants to meet the host. Sure. I mean, why wouldn't he, of Ryan? Of course, women? absolutely. And I say, well, sure, Joby, because uh, Joby had taken us to Keeneland one time. Remember that? Me and you went to Keeneland with, uh, with him. That itself. was a very For interesting trip. That's another podcast. <laughs> the Wild Night with Joe B. Hall at Keeneland. Wilder and than I thought it'd be. Much wilder <laughs> than you would think. You hear going to Joe B. Hall at Keeneland, you don't think it's going to be wild? Don't sleep on Joe B. Hall at Keeneland. <laughs> Curveball. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, don't sleep on Joe B. Hall at Keeneland. <laughs> it can be something you didn't expect, as Drew and I found out. But – I say, well, of course. And he goes, I want you to have lunch with Bobby Petrino. And I was like, why? Okay, uh, why? And he was like, well, I want him to be the Kentucky coach, and I feel like if you like him and push it, it'll happen. Well, I'd been told – I mean, I think I can say this. I'd been told by Mitch Barnhart himself. He, he told me that I'm not hiring him. And I believe Mitch Barnhart 100%. He never Period. would. I mean, yep. he just said, I am not hiring him. Their moral compass is a little different. And, it, it, yeah. and I was like, well, I didn't want to say to Joe B. Hall, no. But at the same time, I didn't want to be in a position where I go meet with Joe, with Bobby Petrino, not talk about him. Joe B. feels bad. So I just kept putting it off. <laughs> I was like, well, when would you like me to go? Well, how about Tuesday? Uh, Joe B., I'm oh. going to be in Aruba on Tuesday. <laughs> you know. And I kind of kept putting Joe B. off yeah. because I knew they weren't going to hire him. And I didn't want to be in that position. And I feel bad because I put Joby off for like two weeks. And then, of course, it turns out he didn't get the job. But I still hold – I didn't know what I was supposed to do right there, Ryan. Cause I, I, and the other sh- thing is Bobby Trino clearly – when people say Bobby Trino didn't want the job, he wanted the job. Yeah. If he was willing to meet with me, he wanted the job. At a, at a sign of respect for what you think of Coach I Hall. I love Joby Hall. See, you didn't want to disappoint him. By and I also saying, knew from Joby Hall at Keeneland, wild things can happen when you're with Joby Hall. I want to know, Frank. how come I didn't get this invitation to party with you and Joby Hall? It was more than just eating the Keeneland burgoo and watching some horses. <laughs> really? We didn't think it was going to be. No. I didn't dress up for what I thought <laughs> what it ended up being. You know, that's a story that could have been on our list. But we'll save We're it for another time. day. We'll yeah. save it another day. All right, number two. Well, two, I guess I need to go, was it 2A and 2B? You kind of wanted me to combine these two stories together, I believe. So I'm going to combine them, right? I say, before you do this, let me do this. Oh, do you read? Yes. We have a sponsor for this podcast. And I want to Amazingly. Support, I want to spo- help them because this was a good podcast for them to come on. Okay. And of all the podcasts, this would be the right one for a children's book. <laughs> Our sponsor for this podcast is a children's book. book. Oh. I'm sure people listening have children. Exactly. I mean, I'm not expecting the children to buy it. You're buying this for your children. Okay, understand. So I want you to support our guy that did this because he supported the podcast. And he is a saint at this point. At it's this called point. The Unforgettable Fairy Tale. 
I've got that. And it is inspired by the Unforgettables. Yes. The team 25 years ago that we all fell in love with. This is inspired. Let me read you. Inspired this season, this book is inspired by a young father who was a lifelong member of the BBN. Problem was his son didn't follow basketball. He was more interested in knights, duels, and castles. So his dad decided to write an epic knight's tale inspired by the Unforgettables. And it's called The Unforgettable Fairy Tale. It's got knights, jousts, tournaments, but it's inspired by the team that we love, the Unforgettables. And it's not about any particular person, but it's inspired by them. So go to un- theunforgettablefairytale.com. If you put KSR in the code, you get 10% off. Theunforgettablefairytale.com. So do us a favor. Check out The Unforgettable Fairy Tale, right? Because they sponsored this podcast. I, I own it and I've read it. I'm not just saying it because they made this podcast happen. It's a really cool little thing he did. I agree. I have one and I, I like it. Theunforgettablefairytale.com, promo code KSR. Uh, and, and this podcast is brought to you by him, so support The Unforgettable and Fairy I, I don't want to bring this down, but I re- it hit home with me because I have a son, Gavin, who's that way. It really took me back to me and my son. So it's really it, – it, I don't, I don't want to be a downer, but it, it, it is really good. So let's get back to dirty stories. All right, so uh, <laughs> the unforgettablefairytale.com, uh, number two. So I'm, you want me to lump lump these together, these two media stories, the media guys back I want back you to, to do, just do, do, do your media one. Well, it would have to be 2A and 2B because I've got a number one I'm saving. So we'll do that. All right, well, 2B, I've already told it once on the radio show, but you had said I should tell it again. I told him we were at Comedy Off-Broadway, and I went ahead, you made me do the stand-up routine. This is about... No, I would tell the other one first. Hey, the other one first? Yeah. Okay, I, I tell this story with love, with much, much love. This one's going to surprise you. He ran this by me. You're going to be surprised by this one, Drew. We all love, admire, and respect Rob Bromley. Love Rob Bromley. Love Rob Bromley. Nicest dude in the continental United States. There is no doubt. Recent Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer, Kentucky Sportscaster of the Year, retiring later in September. Bromley, Bromley, Bromley. We love Bromley. Now I'm nervous. Bromley has, should be. Brom, oh, no. I, Bromley what and are I, you doing, Ryan? We never <laughs> got to work together in the same newsroom, and I always regretted that, but we were always, you know, we're a small fraternity. Those of us who cover you. The UK, story, by the way, begins at Keeneland with Joby Hall. <laughs> but go ahead. So, you know, we're a small fraternity. We all go to the same events, the same news conference, the same game. So we're, I'm with Rob my entire career here at Kentucky. Just a great guy. Always talk to him. Always admiring him. He's always giving me good advice. So we, I tell this story with much love to Rob Brown. Everybody gets it. Okay. You love Rob Brown. So we're in Minneapolis. This is the year Kentucky is playing Dwayne Wade and Marquette. They played Wisconsin in the first game, remember? And uh, Bo- Not Bogans. Yeah, Bogan sprained his 2003. ankle. Yep. Yes. So it's getting ready to play Marquette. For a trip to the Final Four, so it's a big deal. I mean, are you using the language? You tell I me. I think you have to use the language. So let me just say, parents, turn it down for the next minute and a half. Go ahead. Okay. So you know, you guys know how this is. All the satellite trucks parked together in the parking lot, and then all the media reporters—they all stand side by side by side when you're doing your reports for the newscast. So we're all, you know, there's a Channel 36 guy, there's Bromley, there's me, there's Bob Dominey, there's Fred Cowgill, all the all in a line with the Metrodome behind us. So we do the five o'clock newscast, and I'm I'm right by Bromley, and I noticed that, you know, he didn't he didn't do anything. Five thirty newscast, I'm, you know, I noticed that you know something's not right. Bromley's rocking when he's rocking, you know, something maybe not right. And anything six o'clock newscast again, Bromley didn't 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 do anything. So after it was over, I just kind of walk over to him, and I, I remember I put my hand on his shoulder, and I was like, Rob, everything all right? And his only Rob Bromley could say, 
Ryan, I tell you, they butt fuck me every time. <laughs> I didn't see that. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> see, you don't see it coming. It hits you from the side. You don't see it. When he first time he told me that, I wasn't ready. I will say I've seen a lot of those people because it's such a high stressful environment. The deadlines. I've seen some people cuss much. Oh, they lose their mind. I look at them. I'm like, I can't believe that person talks. It's amazing to see a sweet person you see on TV just lose their mind and start yelling at people. It happens. Like I've seen just about every single one of them. Just no, because you know Bromley had work. For six hours, to get all those reports ready for those three newscasts, and something was wrong with the satellite or the computers or something back at the station. I, I love Rob Romley. What's your number two? So do you want me to tell the Cutler side of that or just leave it? Uh, uh, well, you've told the Cutler one before, yeah. but but uh, we'll leave it for another okay. day. Right, what's your number two? My number two isn't really a story. It's going to be very quick, but I think it's just time we spill the beans on the late-night tweet because everyone keeps asking. Everyone always asks you, for people who don't know, well, Ryan spilt it on the radio yeah, show Yeah, I feel today. like it has to be said. Now, I'm just going to throw it out there. It's not a big story. Not a big story. We're just – I believe it was – we were – it was early, early morning, right? Isn't that how it went? It was uh, like think, 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning, something like that. I, I, no, I think it was like 6 in the morning. I think I was up for the day. Like, I, yeah. Okay. Regardless, Tyler Eulis sent out a tweet, and it was a screenshot of his photo gallery. And let's just say the photos were not intended – yeah, the he, public. he sent out a picture of something happening. And it was actually, it was weird because it was like when you have the grid of all your photos, it was a screenshot of that. And then he tweeted that. So it was like nine photos. It was just something that he sh- should have been kept private. He was quick to delete it, but let's just well, say. It was, were, it was up for five or ten minutes. If you were on Twitter that morning <laughs> starting your day, you kind of did a double take. Like, well, I did not expect <laughs> to see that today. <laughs> let's just say it's not. Um, I've tried to play out in my mind how it happened. I can't figure because it out. Because it's a screenshot of the phone's photo gallery, and then it's on Twitter. I don't know, but there you go. It's out there. That's my number two. It was a picture of actions. Yes. And yes. then we'll just leave it at and that. And actions sometimes speak louder than words <laughs> on Twitter. I think it certainly did. Um, but he but he deleted it soon after. And I remember you and I talked that day, and I went, well, this could be a huge story. And it never got out. Yeah, and I was it, it literally, I, like, I think it was because it was so early in the morning. It just never I got out. I rubbing my eyes like I just rolled over, like, see if anything happened. What? What is that? What's going on? And then <laughs> yeah, it's gone. It was gone I mean, normally that is on your phone early in the morning. But it's, <laughs> but it's someone texting it's, it Yeah, it's me. usually a text. It's usually not a thing. All right, my second story is one that I've told to you all before, but I don't think I've ever told on the radio, and I think I can say this now. So in 2011, you may remember the 2011 season, after the blue-white game early in the year, Josh Harrelson tweeted out something to the effect – because Josh Harrelson played a good game, and Cal did all this – like, he praised a bunch of people and he didn't praise Josh. And you remember Josh tweeted out something like, what do I got to do to get praise? A really stupid thing. Yeah, I think he had like 15 rebounds that game. Or yes. Something. Yeah. So he tweeted out complaining. Now, you have to understand, up until that point, Cal's relationship with Josh was not a great one. Because here's what Cal doesn't like. Cal will take a lot. He'll take you bad-mouthing him. He'll take you back-talking him. He doesn't like what I always say are wimps and jokers. He doesn't like people he thinks are wimpy. So, for instance, Ryan Harrell. Right. And he doesn't like people he thinks who don't take life seriously, who don't sort of, to use the 30 for 30 analogy, play the lottery ticket they were given. 
I think that was his problem with Marcus Lee for a long time. With Derek Willis for a long time. Dusty Mills and Big What's-His-Face would not have lasted long when they no, were cutting exactly. up on the bench. I, I don't think jokers are something he likes. That was probably his biggest problem with Marcus Lee, mm-hmm. is he felt like he wasn't serious enough about basketball. And Josh, Josh was, was definitely in that, in that like that. Yeah. And I think it drove him nuts, especially considering what I said earlier about how he had picked him as his last guy. So he sends that tweet out, and I get a phone call from Cal. And at that time, that rarely happened. Okay? I mean, I, I, I rarely talked to him. I mean, I still rarely. I mean, I, I talked to him when I see him, you know. But, um, and he said, I thought this was very interesting. He goes, people tell me, Matt, you really know Josh. And I said, and I did. That's probably the only player that's been at Kentucky that I can legitimately say while he was playing, I knew him. I've gotten to know Ramel. I've gotten to know Wu. I knew Patrick Patterson a little bit, Wall a little bit, but I knew Josh. Part of it was my girlfriend at the time kind of hit it off with him. And we became friends. I mean, I, I so I, I knew Josh. And I said, yeah, I, I know Josh. And he goes, tell me why we should keep him on the team. And I went, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> New phone, who this? <laughs> <laughs> and I basically explained that I thought Josh meant well, that I thought, and I believe this, that I thought his insecurity was playing out in that tweet, that he really wants to impress you, but he doesn't know how to go about it, and that's why this came out like that. I don't think he's a bad kid, and I don't think he's this. You know, I'm, I'm basically taking up for Josh yeah. because I genuinely liked him, and he asked me some more questions about what I thought about Josh. So I texted Josh and said, Josh, first of all, take, or no, excuse me, that's not how this happened. Josh called me very soon after Cal and said, will you all take the post down from KSR that has my tweet? And I said, Josh, man, I can't do that. Tweet's out. If we take it down, like it's already out. You know, I mean, it just, it's not going to help. It's out. Your coach already knows, (laughs) you know. I mean, it's it's over. I got to leave it up. And he and I said, look, I just talked to Cal. And he went, really? And I was like, dude, you got some making up to do. Now, I don't – I'm not suggesting that, like, that's why he stayed on the team or anything like that. But it does suggest that Cal was really – when he says he was done with him, he was done with him. But to his credit, Josh made it up. That next day, Josh texted me and said, I think I'm good with Cal, and then, you know, that was kind of that. But it was interesting to me. Cal was considering saying see ya, but he wanted, I think, a reason to keep it. And it did seem like from that moment on, Josh Harrelson was a different player. I did. That was a great – ended up being a great moment yes, for Yes, he did. Had Ended up dedicating himself, became a good player, had a really good season. But it was, it was interesting. All that happened, it was at CN2. I was sitting in there trying to do a TV show, and I've got all the, both of these people calling about their uh, thing. That's also back when people were still figuring out Twitter. Like, he probably didn't know that was going to happen. I remember some people on that same team tweeted some dumb stuff. It's like they were putting stuff out they shouldn't have. I can't imagine a player this day and age knowing I don't the think retweets how it gets picked I, up. I, I totally agree with you. Totally agree. All right. Our number ones. You're up. You need to do the language disclaimer again. Uh-oh. All right. So, if you, if you, have, a, if you have a child – uh, why don't you fast forward it about a minute or two because Ryan's going to be dirty. <laughs> 
This was, I don't remember the year, but it was when Kentucky was playing in Hawaii. I guess you were out there. Okay. And the game tipped off at like at midnight. So the network pregame show started at like 10 30, 11 o'clock. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I think it started at like at 11 o'clock. I can't believe you're going to say this, but go ahead. This is the number one story of all time. <laughs> so, you know, this is back in the day where I was actually a fill in for the network pregame show, the one you did with, with Oscar and the one that Dave Baker does now with Rex Chapman. Yeah, it was, and it was me and Oscar back then, but I was in Hawaii, so I couldn't do That's it. That's right. So I get called out of the bullpen. So it's Oscar and me in this studio at 11 o'clock on Thanksgiving weekend to do the network pregame show. And these studios, you're in them, but there's usually a big glass window for the producer to look at you, for the guy running the board, like Nick's running the board now. They, they're in a different room, but there's a piece of glass between them and you. Big old window. Big window. So we're taking the phone calls, and the guy comes on the phone, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it exactly as he said it so you get the effect of it. We're going to have to put the explicit tag here. Definitely. So the guy comes on, and he's like, yeah, man, I just, I just love Kentucky basketball. I just, it's just been a part of my life. It's something me and my dad enjoy doing so much together. And gosh, we just, we just love going to Rupp Arena. We always sit together, but we, we, we do something different. We, we don't like to sit in lower arena. We like to sit up the tip top of the arena. I mean, we go up to the top row and we can put our, you know, we lean back on the backs up there, and you know, we just love watching the game from up there. It's just so exciting. Usually, at some point during the game, my dad leans over and starts sucking my dick. But this team is really good and I think they're going to go a long way. Oscar didn't catch it. Oscar didn't hear it. But the producer, Mike Dotson, heard it and in a moment, he has slammed up against the glass between the studio and us, slammed and they're going, Dump! Dump! He starts beating on the glass. Because you've got like five or six seconds, right? So you got like- it. You got to catch it quick or it's going to go over the air. So I'm new on the board, and I'm trying to, like, oh, my God, what's the dump button? And I hit it. Hit the dump button. Got it. So it never aired. But now it has. And then Oscar, Oscar's looking at me like I'm an idiot. He's looking at Dotson. And, what are you screaming about? And he's looking at me like, why am I trying to hit the button? So it didn't get on the it air. It did not get on the but air. But now it has. Now it has. Now it has. After In the Matt Jones years. podcast number 62. There we go. All right, what's your le- So Is your number one the Bahamas story? Yes. Okay, I'm going to do a lead-in with my Bahamas story. Okay. Uh, we have a big group of friends there. Some of our listeners might know Manny. Manny's the ringleader in this yeah, group. Yeah, so you got me, you, tall, turkey hunter, hubby, Manny, a uh, couple of Manny's. Really, we're the, the party cabana every week. They yeah, I mean, it, it was like there was about 12 to 15 of us. Yeah. So on the first day, we're out there and we're doing some, some day boozing like you do in the Bahamas. And Carl Towns, who I don't really know, I think I maybe met him once or twice, comes by with a little sandwich and he, he's like, can I, can I sit with you all? I'm like, well, whatever. It seems weird us throwing back shots and you're just sitting here, but I'm not going to tell you no. It's cool. I mean, it's Carl Towns. You're yeah. going to hang out with Carl Towns. So we talk to him, and then Manny gets around a fireball like Manny does, and we all rip it. And then Carl, we do it again, and then Carl's like, I feel kind of left out. He's like, I don't drink, but I like watching you all, you know, you get up and you toast, you make toast. Well, people were making toast. That's important. People yeah. were making toast to each other so and ta- blah, blah, blah. Carl tells me, he's like, that looks fun. I want to be included. What can I do? I was like, well, I don't know, man. He's like, I got an idea. I'll be right back. So Carl walks off, and he comes back with nothing in his hands, but he's holding two invisible shot glasses. Not he, invisible. Two shot glasses. No, no, it was, he was holding nothing. Okay. Oh, he's holding nothing. No, okay. holding literally nothing. And he grabs me. He's like, come here. I got just, just me and you. I'm like, okay, what do you got? He's like, me and you, two shots of air. I was like, air? Yeah, okay. And, you know, I'm, you know, I'm 
28 and here's an 18 year old. And I'm like, yeah, Carl, let's do this air. And he's like, here's to a healthy season. I'm excited to be a Wildcat. Can't wait to get the year going. Here we go. And he throws it back. He's like, ooh, that burned. And then, and then it becomes a thing throughout the week. So at night, the players can actually go to bars because it's 18 year olds to get in. Yeah, in Bahamas, yeah. So Carl comes up. He's like, what's up, man? How are you? And he's like, you ready to do some? And I'm like, uh, yeah, Carl, let's do it. And he actually goes and stands at the bar by himself for a few minutes, comes back. He's like, oh, they really filled these up. And he's actually like, he's stumbling. Keep in mind, he, he's holding nothing. Like, it's just air. And he hands me. He's like, wow, it is full. I got to sip this one down a little bit. So I fake sip it. And then Carl, just being so Carl, makes another sweet toast. He's like, Cal Perry's really got a great group here. We're going to do really great things this season. I'm excited to be here. And we slam back. He's like, mm, I'm getting used to them. These are good. And we proceed to do that the entire week. Me and Carl, him holding nothing and me pretending. And I'm just thinking, this. I'm 10 years older than this guy. We have imaginary. Well, we thought he was like the cheesiest dude in the yeah. world. I mean, and to be fair, he didn't just do it with Drew. I've told the story about when Willie Cauley-Stein swum, swam from one end of the pool to the other. Underwater. Underwater. Now, you got to remember, these guys were kind of getting to know each other, even on the team, a little bit yeah. together. And Willie, Willie says, I'm going to swim from one end to the other. And it looked like it was going to be impossible. There was no way he could do it. And we all said, you can't do it. And people were kind of placing bets. And the team, like everybody's there, I think except the twins. They were the only people not there. Like everybody's there. People weren't kind of placing bets. There were people placing a lot of bets. <laughs> and Carl was the only person who believed Willie could do it. And even though Carl – well, maybe one other person did because somebody was betting with him. Carl didn't bet. But but Carl was like, I believe in my brother. I remember that was his yeah. thing. I, my brother can do All it. All about it. I'm, I believe in my brother. So when he did it, Carl Drew had told me Carl had been doing this with Drew, the, the air shots. But Carl then looks at his teammates and does the shot of air to toast Willie. And I say this, they grew to love each other. But they looked at him like, who is this dude? I, I've never seen a dude like this in my life. He's like, okay, everybody, pass it around. And, like, Devin Booker and Tyler Ulis are like, yeah, dude, that's awesome. And they and they do it to salute Willie a shot of air for the so, – so Carl was big on the shots and of air. And had it not been Carl Towns, who I knew even then was going to be the number one pick, I would have been like, get this crazy kid away <laughs> You're 18. I'm trying to take shots with my buddies over here. Get away. But no, I'm like, yeah, Carl, let's get a couple more. Get me a lime with this one. But he's so likable. That's the thing is I want to be clear. Like, it's dorky, but he's so likable. Like, you couldn't – it was like it was cheesy, but you kind of liked it. It yeah. was cheesy. And I'm thinking know? this is kind of cool. This guy's going to be, like, a billionaire, and I can say I took shots of air with him. So what you think of Carl is exactly, Ryan, how he is. I cannot believe that story. <laughs> Imagine me and Manny ripping fireball, and then I have to take a timeout to walk over with take Carl to air. do our, our empty, our nothing. Like I do like that he goes, oh, this one burns. Yeah, oh, this, oh these are full. <laughs> these are full. Like you're having a little tea party with your four-year-old yeah, that's daughter. What it, that's exactly what it was, but it, that, it was Carl. All right, so the final story is why we're doing this, which is the Bahamas story. And I just want to throw this caveat before we do it. Drew was there. I don't want people to think that I believe this is the best thing that ever happened. All right, I didn't. This just came up because it's something that for the people that were there is a funny memory, yes. as you'll see. It really is. And so, like, for all of us that were there, including the players, it's one of those things that, like, you don't think this is going to happen at a U.K. basketball something. But I'm not saying, like, 
I think we've told things in this day that's maybe a little funnier. But I do enjoy it because it's a memory. And if you think about who was on that team, all the superstars, it was the moment when I knew that I don't care what they are, they're kids. They're still kids. They are still kids. And this is when I knew that. So the way the Atlantis worked, you had the regular part of the Atlantis where almost all the fans stayed, which is just like the – it's still very nice, but it's the general hotel. It's right. the big main The part. big thing you see. And then they have a part that's kind of their ritzy VIP part called the Cove. you you got to be 18 to get there. got to be no 18. kids. The players did not stay in the Cove, but the coaches did. Now, because we helped promote the trip, they gave us rooms in the Cove. Me and Drew were in one room. Hubby, Tall, and Turkey Hunter were in the other. The Cove pool, the, the, the Cove had a pool that was just for the, quote, VIP folks. And even though the players weren't staying there, the coaches got it arranged to where they could use that pool because it wasn't that crowded. Right. You could still come in the day. It was just an adults-only pool. I think it's even a topless pool. It's a topless pool. It's adults, although people weren't really topless. But they, but they, got, they got the players to where they could get in there so that they wouldn't be in the mass pool with everybody else. Right. All right? So that was kind of where we all hung out, and that's how we got to know that team because basically every day those players would come to that pool. We were like the only U.K. fans, our group, which included the Shimbari. Like there, yeah, there was a about, big group. But- there was a big group, but we were like the only U.K. fans that were there. That's where World Wide West was. <laughs> and besides us, the only people there, it wasn't many until one day it was like – a Vegas party had shown up. Like, rappers, women who probably danced a lot in their lives. Like, there was just this group of, like, 75, and there was a DJ all of a sudden. And in the I think, po- part, not to know, I think part of it, we had been there during the week, like, the Saturday crowd showed the up. The Saturday I'm, crowd showed like, up. This gotcha. was the- and this was the day that UK had off. Okay? So, like, UK doesn't have to play this day. The pool has in the center of it like a little stand in the middle. So you could swim all around it, but people could and, – and, like, occasionally somebody would get up there and dance. Like, Tall got up there and danced one time. <laughs> all right, so UK decides to do the – what was it called? The Ice Bucket Challenge. And they go out to the beach to tape the Ice Bucket Challenge. Right. And the entire team goes out to the beach. I and again, seeing that. They are at the private beach, right? They are at the – not very many people get to go to this beach, so they have privacy. So as they walk away to go do that, we're still left with the party. And the party is getting wild. Again, we're not really in it. We're kind of off to ourselves. But the party's getting wild. The music's going. People are going crazy. And all of a sudden, the centerpiece inside the pool basically becomes three or four women together who start sort of dancing with each other, right? And that dancing keeps going into more and more things until all of a sudden, Drew, there's like no clothing. Is that fair to say? I I felt like I owed them money (laughs) for what they were doing in front of me. It became not safe for anyone's work. Yes, and it was getting like, whoa, you can guess kind of what's happening. Well, about that moment, 
Here came the UK basketball team walking back from the uh, what? What you call the ice bucket? The challenge. ice bucket challenge. And they're all kind of walking with their heads down, sort of like, "All right, guys, been fun. We did something for charity. Ice bucket challenge. Fair to say? Yeah, and they were." The complete opposite side of the pool from the beach, I think UK had rented a spot, and they had, like, lunch for them, so they had to walk yeah, around so they, it. Exactly. They we were, knew they were going to see it. They were coming, and all of a sudden, I believe Cal was at the front of the line. They walk up, and there it is. And all of them, I remember what, all of them saw it at once. And it was the looks on their faces. I cannot do justice to they look like, and all of them, Cal, the players, like, oh my goodness, <laughs> look at that! And there's about five to ten seconds where they are like paralyzed, and then all of a sudden, Cal was the first one who like reality hit. Yeah, and Cal goes, "I got to get out of here." Yeah. <laughs> like Cal's thought clearly was, "I cannot be seen right here," and he just bolts. The assistant coaches. Bolt with them, <laughs> all right? Because I think all of them are like, we got to get out of here. But nobody gets the team. <laughs> Said, I'm pretty sure they had like their lunch station set up on the other side of the pool. So you get this situation where all of the coaches run away. <laughs> Cal, Robic, Payne, Orlando, gone. The players, all of them are just standing there. Uh, Mouth open. Uh, well, I will say their phones came out pretty quickly. I remember one of the parents' mothers, I won't name the player of the mother, but she filmed it on her iPad. She had, like, not just the phone, the iPad was out filming it. They look like, are you kidding me? So then, and I'm not going to call out the individuals because, but then it was interesting. You could really get a sense of their personality. Some people had the notion of, I got to get out of here. Yeah. Like, or I need to not be – and they kind of moved away. Some people didn't do anything but just kept watching. And then there was Todd Lanter who tried to swim out there. <laughs> <laughs> Todd Lanter was wondering, how can I be a part of this – I don't blame him. – of this entity. And I, I, for the rest of the day, they just kept saying to each other over and over, can you believe it? And then she like, and did you see? And like, like they just, they were like little children. And it kept going. Like, it didn't stop for yeah, a good these period of time. had been warned over and over. At one point, two of them are no longer on the thing in the middle on the side of the pool. And they're doing actual acts in the, in the water. Oh, it was. Like, the pool people were getting on to, to these people doing listen, this. Listen, however graphic you're thinking, that's what it was. In public. I've never seen anything like that in public. Right. In my life. I haven't. And no one was seeming to stop it. But the things I liked is, first of all, the coaches bolted, but nobody <laughs> thought to get the players. Like, nobody – it didn't occur to anyone, maybe we need to make sure that, like, they're not there anymore. Some of these 18- and 19-year-old kids, maybe we need to usher them out. And then finally somebody came and made them stop. I think actually made them leave. They throw cold water on them or something? I, I think they just <laughs> – I think well, they just there, made them there leave. Was, there were no guys involved in this. Yeah, there were no men. This was all women. Yeah. And basically, the rest of the trip was just spent of everybody talking about it. So, if, you, if I see those guys, 
they literally will just go in the Bahamas, you know. Every time they come in the studio and when we're off the air, you'll ask them about that Bahamas story. They're, both your faces just kind of light up and you laugh. And you're like, can you believe that was going on? <laughs> I mean, well, you, was, you left out a small detail. They had played that day because they went straight from the game. They're all wearing oh, they, their they UK played. shorts. Oh, that's right. Coach yes. Cal gave them the afternoon off because it was their fifth game. They had one more the next day. But they're all in UK gear. And we were thinking, like, if someone to take a picture of the UK team, Watching with oh, these dude, that porn was like stars a, behind them. That was like a TMZ like moment that no one took. And again, I think part of the reason they were cool with us being back there is we weren't going to take pictures of them, right? But there was a sense of I again thought they were kind of lo- <laughs> like we were wow. kind of lucky that nobody uh, that nobody ended up doing that. So the there famous you go. Bahamas story is now on public. See, that's worth it, right? It is a great story. All right, so. Thank you to the folks at the unforgettablefairytale.com. I remember that unforgettable fairy tale in the Bahamas. <laughs> Still think. Hope everybody enjoyed it. I think this was good. I think it was good. I, I think it was a it. good time. Uh, we'll do something here soon. This has been the Matt Jones Podcast. We'll see you later. Send lawyers, guns, and money.